0: the dream series. I'm loving it. We've had a couple of great messages. And we're not talking about the American dream, are we? We're talking about the dream that the Spirit of God wants to conceive in your spirit, something that serves God's purpose. And my guess is that some of you have dreams, and, and probably a number of them, and we dream different dreams at different points in our life. And so we're talking about dreams, and this weekend we're going to look at an incredible dreamer, uh, someone that maybe you haven't thought of in those terms, but his name is Noah. And instead of going to the Old Testament, where you can kind of drill down and and get a a full caricature of who Noah was, including some of the unbelievable mistakes. words here it is it was by faith that noah built an ark to save his family from the flood he obeyed god who warned him and and here's kind of the key about something that had never happened before in other words something that was unprecedented and i think that's where faith takes us all of us want god to do something new right Maybe something unprecedented, and I think Noah sets a wonderful example for us. A couple of years ago, our family went uh, on a West Coast uh, vacation that started uh, at Mount Rushmore, and along the way, we visited uh, this incredible sculpture. Uh, in 1948, Korzak Zilkowski was commissioned by Lakota chief uh, Henry Standing Bear to design. Anybody seen Crazy Horse? Uh, let me let me try to describe uh, it to you. Now, the great irony, by the way, if you know your history, is that Crazy Horse, Crazy Horse, wouldn't allow himself to be photographed. So you kind of have to wonder how he would feel about a 563 foot high statue of himself being carved in the granite face of the Black Hills. But that's a different. Monument or what my kids used to call the giant pencil. Just, mate, you're with me this weekend, right? All right. Uh, it is nine times larger than the faces on Mount Rushmore. Give me a little gasp just for effect this weekend. I mean that's incredible. Uh Years devoted to one task. Is that not incredible? And yet, that falls 20 years short of how long it took Noah to build that boat. So let's get some perspective here. appreciate it for what it is. And so let's try to put it into perspective. If you like statistics or facts, or you're an architect, or a con- you're going to like this, okay? And everybody else, you might like it too. The ark measured 300 cubits in length, 50 cubits in width, and 30 cubits in height. Now, it would help because most of us don't measure in the Hebrew system. A cubit was um, probably Arc was the length of one-and-a-half football fields. Not until the late 19th century did a ship that size get constructed again. Yet the design ratio, if you do the math, of 35-3 is still the gold standard. The internal volume of the ark, 1 million, there is not going to be a quiz at the end of this message, okay? I feel like some of you are getting nervous. Uh, 1,518,750 cubic feet, uh, feet, and the equivalent of 569 foxcars. If the average animal was the size of a sheep, it had capacity for 125,000. different species at the national zoo in our backyard. And so that means the ark had the capacity for about 60 national zoos. Here's what I'm getting at. This was It also took some blood, sweat, and tears over a long time. I mean, it's not like it came with an instruction manual. We'll talk about that because this is the first boat ever built. But even more than the brains of the brawn, it took an incredible amount of faith, right? I mean, stop and think about it. Who built a boat in the desert? Who future on something that has never happened before. And that's the point that the writer of Hebrews is making. It's not happened before. And yet, Noah, in obedience and faith, built this boat. Now back to our friend Korzak. Uh, Towards the end of his life, he was uh, interviewed and kind of articulated his if you will, uh, to those who wondered how he could devote his entire life to one task. And this is what he said. When your life is over, the world will ask you only one question. Did you do what you were supposed to do? build this ark that's not just a good question it's the question and and it's not a question that you can just answer with your words or come up with a vision statement it's a question that you've got to answer with your life noah built the ark because god commanded it it's what he was supposed to do and so when he was sawing those so when everything is said and done, I think it was the longest act of obedience recorded in Scripture, 120 years. One act of obedience, 120 years to complete that commandment. Now, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. And in many respects, um, I thank God. But I went through the process that everybody else went through of trying to figure out what is it that I'm supposed to do. When I was a freshman at the University of Chicago I had no idea, other than probably choosing a major that would lead to a career that would make a lot of money. That was kind of how I started out, and then I started praying about it. And along the way, I figured out what I'm supposed to do. When I was 19 years old, I knew that God was calling me into ministry, and I didn't know when or where or how. And it came. A Bible college and uh, started going to a little church called West Grand Assembly. We got uh, 12, uh, seven pews. Okay, whoever built a huge vision. Let's not stop at six. Let's build that seven building. pew. This thing could explode. The average attendance is about 12 people. Ten of them were typically awake. And that's where I preached my first sermons to just a handful of people. I put a little recorder on those little mini recorders. I'd put it, hit record, and I'd preach my heart out to to that little congregation. And I'd go back and I'd listen to it. And I remember staying up till two or three o'clock in the morning preparing for those sermons. And and then after that during summer break I did an internship and I was like the John Wesley of nursing homes. Uh, I did the nursing home circuit of the chart in nursing homes is um, uh, in the garden, that hymn. Do you remember that? Some of you are like, when you're in a nursing home, you'll see. Um, And uh, I preach more sermons on heaven than you can imagine. Just seem like the most relevant subject. frustration to me, a reminder of what I hadn't accomplished that I knew God had called me to do. And uh, it, it it was a struggle. And so it's a lot of years later. The truth is, is that Laura and I are going into year 17 as the pastors of this church. I hope I don't look it. Do I look it? Um, uh, I just turned 26 when we started really hard and loved every second of it. Would do it all over again in a heartbeat. And I just finished um, my tenth book that'll release in September. But you know what? That. to jot this down, because I think it's the big lesson from the life of Noah. I would be the first person to tell you, dream big. But if I were to stand up here and just say, dream big, I think it would be gross negligence. Because I think what Scripture really teaches is to think long. To think about the moment that you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And begin every day right there. You've got to Because if you dream big, but you don't think long, then the the level of disappointment and frustration is going to overwhelm you to the point that you quit and you give up. But if you think long, it enables you to dream big. You know, we have a 2020 vision as a church. And I'll talk a little bit more about the dream that God's given us as National Community Church next week. But our 2020 vision is 20 locations. Now, we have six locations in the metro D.C. area. And uh, we got John and Steph Hassler in Berlin, Germany. And, oh, man, we are circling a, a place. It's going to be our beachhead there that will be a, a cafe, which will really be um, kind of our base of operations for our first international location. And, and then my guess is that this year uh, there will be one or two more launches in the metro area. And so um, God is on the move. We're going to try to keep up with him. Keep in step with where the Spirit is taking us. And ultimately, we envision 20 locations. Don't know where all of them are going to be uh, by the year 2020. And then the second half of that vision is that we want to be giving 2 million to missions annually by the year 2020. Now, we're about halfway there. Uh, the last two years, uh, we have given more than a million dollars to missions as a church. Can we just stop right there and praise God? dream. No, we're thinking long. And we're envisioning what God can do in the long term. Most of us overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what God can do in 10 years. And so what I'm saying to you this weekend is think long. And you may think you're thinking long. You aren't. Look at Noah's story. Think in terms of 12 decades. And it will reorient us think in ways that God wants us to. All right here's what we're going to do for the rest of our time together. I'm going to get very theological and I'm going to get very practical. Um, Noah was an inventor. Now we think of Leonardo da Vinci um, as kind of the quintessential Renaissance man. Uh, I have a number of biographies on da Vinci in my library. I love uh, reading about Leonardo. And then Thomas Edison, more than a 1,000 patents, and, and many of them still influence our lives today. And so we think about people like that as inventors, um, but the first person that ought to pop into our mind is probably Noah. I mean, he invented a boat, ship, an uh, entire industry, a shipping industry. I don't care if it's a tugboat or the a Genesis that traces back to the first person who created something that would float, and his name is Noah. Now, according to Jewish tradition, this isn't the only thing he invented. Um, He was a farmer before he became a ship. is about creating, and that's the nature and character of God, and so let's go back to the source code, which is Genesis 1, and uh, reverse engineer this thing, because i says, in the beginning, God created, no, let me stop there, five words in, created. Uh, it's the first revelation of God. Uh, God is created, infinitely created. Did you know that there are uh, entomologists of identity? I think it's like 350,000 species of beetles. What? Is that not creative overkill? think that's incredible? Well, um, there are 7,060,661,114 variations of us as of today, based on the world population clock. Everyone with a unique fingerprint. No no two people ever alike. So different animals. The chaos of those situations that are out of your control. The chaos of emotions that you don't know what to do with. The chaos of your kids. The chaos of your dreams. The Spirit of God is hovering over the chaos. And it says, and God said, let there be light. Four words. And everything that is. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him. So it's almost like God says, uh, I'm going to repeat myself for the first time to make sure that you get it, And, and hopefully you got it, in his own image, in the image of God. Back to back, you are an image bearer of God. Now, I don't have time this weekend to spell you're created in the image of God. And some of you, it might be more on the side of when you watch a film or hear music or visit a national park, you're like, wow, I love this creativity. But but that's your creative impulse at work. And I don't care whether it's music or business or art or film or sex, Creative. Expression of who God is. I and mean, right after this, he says multiply. Uh, those things are expressions of the creativity of God. And some of them have God's fingerprints on them. If you go visit God's fingerprint. But the technology that we use uh, oh that's our fingerprint. Yeah, but that's the create that's the image of God at work. Now it can be used for good or bad. But everything, everything. God commands Moses to build a tabernacle, and there's a guy named Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And it says, I filled him with the Spirit of God. So the same Spirit that hovered over creation, now somehow is at work within Bezalel. And it says that uh, that the Spirit of God has given him wisdom and understanding, knowledge, and all kinds of craftsmanship, artistic design for gold, silver, bronze, cutting. if we think that God anoints preachers oh my word promise you, God wants to anoint you with his spirit in the same way that he anointed Bezalel. Now, you can't go through a weekend like this and not quote uh, Martin Luther King. Seems like he'd be wrong. I love what he said. If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare Bezalel in Hebrew is what it means. In the shadow of God. Oh, well, that means then God would have to be hovering to cast that shadow. It's just beautiful imagery of the same spirit that hovered over creation, hovering over Bezalel as he. of God was helping him in each of those endeavors. Now, this idea of in the shadow of God gets interesting because it's a thread that runs throughout Scripture. So if you fast forward to Luke chapter 1, you're going to remember this. Uh, Here's what it says. The angel shows up and announces to Mary that she's going to give birth to the Son of God. Do you remember the language that's used? It says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And he wants to overshadow you as well in whatever you do. The incarnation is, is not just a moment in history where our Messiah was born in Bethlehem, but also models The Spirit of God is still conceiving things within us. It's the very nature of God. And so... This is where our our theological journey will end for this weekend. On the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and preaches a sermon. He says, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Now, this is huge, because he doesn't just say sons. This is a paradigm shift. No, your sons and were They will prophesy, I'm going to anoint men and women. I'm going to call
1: men and women.
0: And in this ancient culture, this is huge. It's revolutionary. It reminds me of Genesis 1, male and female he created them. And Then it says, in your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream. the Holy Spirit hovering over the void? Oh, now he fills the void. Expanding foam. That imagery. Okay, if you live in D.C. Row House, it's older than 50 years, you've probably fought some battles. 15 years that we lived in that I don't even know how to describe it to you. If you looked underneath our sink, it would scare you to death. It would look like some alien formation with blobs that kept growing into the blob, if you will. Now, I use more expanding foam. I don't even know anything about this. I just went to Home Depot and explained my problem and, mm-hmm. like, do you have any of that stuff? I think it might be, like, This is what I'm getting at. The Spirit of God doesn't just hover over the void. He wants to fill the void within us. And so this is not about us getting a dream. This is about us getting into God's presence, getting into God's Word, and saying, Spirit of God, would you fill this void within me and conceive something in me so that you would work through me for your kingdom purposes. and we have a cover design and the day that that book releases for me writing is an act of obedience keyboard, I don't type on a keyboard I worship God on a keyboard it's my way of obeying what what I'm supposed to do and so when that book finally releases um, it's an act of worship to God we've got to identify and connect the dots Noah had to get frustrated here's where we're going to get very practical Noah had to get frustrated. I mean, 120 years, you can't tell me that there weren't, you know, his his uh, labors got sick and there were days that, you know, they put the wrong plank on and did this or did that. But you know what? He kept with it. And that brings me to um, a thought that I think can uh, put some feet on your dream. According to Jewish tradition, the very first thing that Noah did was take between 45 and 200 years to reach their full maturity depending on the environment. And uh, they grow 150 feet tall and 12 feet wide. Now, if you do the math and i uh, done it, it would take about 200 trees to saw the planks to make the exterior of the ark. And, and then it would take um, about 188 trees per deck. You remember there were three decks. So about 764 trees. See, here's, here's the thing. I think that many of us want what our parents have um, that they spent a lifetime working for in two years. We don't want to have to work for it or wait for it. I want it ASAP. I get that. But you've got to think along. You know what? you got to do it one day at a time, one decision at a time, and one step at a time. I remember, and I promise we're close to done, I've preaching a few weeks. You usually get a series the next week. the kind of end of the afternoon, him, I'm going to be up there, and I had this thought, and it's the most logical thought, um, but it was a moment for me, one step in the one step at a time, I could get up there and I can look down at the end of the day, down on where I started. message, I would turn it into a written manuscript for years, and I would spend hours and hours doing this, and I would email it to our devotional list, kind of a little take on devotional, and email was sort of semi-new, and so I thought that was kind of creative, and so I sent out an devotional. but what I was doing was working on what I was supposed to do, and, uh, and then finally, right before birthday, uh, I decided that I was not going to turn 35 without having written a book. And so for 40 days, I went into a writing season and I determined that I wouldn't come out no matter how good or bad the book was without a step towards that dream. It took a long time. Here's my question. What trees are you planting? Are you planting? ark that God's called you to build. Let's not overcomplicate this thing. It is one step at a time. Don't get overwhelmed by the fact that you can't do it in one day. Rome wasn't built in a day, neither was Noah's ark. Let me close with this. Most of us allow what we can't do to keep us from doing what we can. And because we're not sure if we can get to the dream, we just quit Uh, Let me put it this way. We want God to reveal the second step before we take the first step because then we don't have to exercise any faith. We want more revelation. God wants more obedience. And if we would exercise more obedience, God would then give more revelation and we would move towards that. a little bit, uh, sharing about the circle maker. And uh, one of those stops was a church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And uh, this week I blogged about my word for 2013, Selah. And uh, if you go to my blog, you can read about how I, that's my word this year. I want to understand it. I want to live it. And uh, somehow that triggered this email from this woman. She said, I, I met you um, at Radiant Church. Uh, I'm a woman who was adopted. 13 kids, Maybe you remember. I didn't, sorry. Um, but then it jogged my memory, and she said, two and a half years ago, we adopted a little girl, girl. who only lived 55 days. earth until she went from my arms to Jesus' arms on her 55th day of life. Because of our adoption of her and the love we demonstrated, her Muslim birth mom came to know Jesus as her Lord and Savior. She says something so profound. She says, every life has a purpose. That was Selah's purpose. For our family, born with a rare condition. By the way, whose name is Josiah, which touched my heart because we have a Josiah, is getting ready to go be with Jesus. She sent me a picture of Selah. Precious. I think there are people who would say, what difference can you make? And there's some people who would actually say, 13 kids, wow. Um, But some would say 55 days, What's that about? Listen, that's about doing what you're supposed to do. It's not about how big or how small. The Bible says that Noah did exactly what the Lord had commanded him to do. And so the question you better figure out the answer is this: What are you supposed to do? Let's pray, Father. We come before plans and purposes prevail in each one of our lives, God, we offer ourselves to you and pray that the Spirit of God, the Spirit that hovers over the chaos, that Spirit we invite to take up residence within us. It's a promise that when we put our faith in you, the Lord Jesus, that the Holy Spirit comes and fills us. Fill that void in our lives that you would bring that creativity that you would conceive that dream within us or for those who feel like they're so discouraged because they feel like they're not making a difference well maybe it's loving the person right next to us the person at work uh, our neighbor uh, that person that seems unlovable maybe that's